hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Tez My Best Teacher podcast with me, Dan Worth. In this show, we chat with CBBC presenter and Strictly Come Dancing star, Reece Stevenson, as he tells us about his school days and the many great teachers that he met along the way, and why they continue to support him now, long after he left school. He also recalls some memorable trips, great games he played in the playground, why he wanted a side bag, not a backpack, at secondary school, and why he's so proud to be an ambassador for children's charity, Place to Be. All that and lots more on the latest My Best Teacher podcast from Tez. Hi, Reese. Welcome to My Best Teacher. Um, great to chat with you, and particularly, obviously, because you're in rehearsals for Strictly, you've just scored 40 for your Charleston, which was incredible. I'm sure everyone who saw it and listened to this will, you know, this will come out a few weeks after that, but that was a seriously impressive dance, wasn't it? I mean, that must have been an incredible moment to get 40 for that. Well, perfectly done. Hi, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, it was, honestly, it was, uh, the, it was the kind of thing I dreamt of having before even being on Strictly and then being on Strictly and then realizing just how hard it was, I thought, oh, you know what? The idea of Perfect 40 was dwindling hard. And I thought, let me just enjoy it. And I think what was special was, I think the Charleston was the first time that I actually said to myself, forget the scores, forget the judges, just do it for you and have a great time. And that, ironically, that's the time where the tens came. I think Spider-Man was the same kind of thing. I remember Spider-Man, I thought, let me just have fun. I'm being like my favorite superhero. This is a great moment. Whenever am I going to do this with Strictly? And then I got my first 10. So I think I'm learning now that it's just time to chill and be easy on yourself. But yeah, it was a really special moment. I've had friends like messaging me about it constantly. Congrats. It was, it was a brilliant performance. So well-earned, a well-earned perfect 40. So yeah, that, that's, a, that's something to you know, put on the CV forever, isn't it? So. Oh, 100%. But that like Reese Stevenson, Perfect 14 and Strictly 2021, done. Yeah, love it. <laughs> well, we're taking you away from your dancing practice. So that, for that, I apologize. But we're going to talk about something different, but all equally kind of uplifting and motivating, which was your, your time at school. Um, so if we cast back not that long, I've had some guests on here and their school days are back in, you know, the 1950s. But I think you're going to be a little bit more recent than that. But so let's go back to primary school. Where, where was that? And, and again, what, what sort of memories like of that? Yeah, primary school for me, well, it's a long uh, it's a good like 20 years ago now, which is so scary for me to say. Primary school used to be, when I thought about primary school, it used to be always like five years ago, and now here I am. But primary school was great. I remember it quite fondly. We had, um, so mine was quite strange primary school because they mixed the year groups up a bit. So year one and year two were in the same classes, and, year, and then year three and year four, and then year five and year six were in the same classes for certain subjects, but when it came to maths, English, and science, it was all, we were separated. But one of the subjects we actually learned together, which was quite, which I didn't realize was quite a rare thing for a school to do. To me, that was just quite normal. So that was one weird thing about it, but I loved it. I was a very energetic, shocker, um, quite happy child, eager to please, big teacher's pet, hated the idea of, stu- of teachers being upset with me. Like a teacher telling me off was my biggest fear. And I, yeah, just went through, always trying to do my best. And I was very much, when it came to being in the playground as well, I was that kind of kid who, I never played football or anything, but I had a group of friends that we played fantasy games. I was always one that kind of led them. But like a kind of, um, you know, when you get people going to like a renaissance fair and like make believe in their, their, you know, Vikings or something. That's what we did every day in the playground. So my school days were a lot of fun. I really enjoyed primary school. Yeah, that does sound great. And like you said, that thing of going in the playground, just making up adventures and, you know, a, a piece of fence becomes some impenetrable barrier. You have to, you know, everything becomes fun in, in a kid's imagination, doesn't it? 
exactly that. There was a bush. There was a bush you could walk into. That was always our base of operations. No matter what game we were playing, if it was like space, it was pirates, it was underwater, it was some kind of base in that world. And it just worked great. And so it was, because we we were lucky to have like a, there were two playgrounds. So there was one for the infant and then there was a junior playground. And the junior playground was huge compared to the infant one. So when we got to juniors, we were like, oh my gosh, the ideas. We could do so much now. It was almost like, Getting, a, getting an expansion pack for a video game was really exciting. <laughs> it does even put it, yeah, I can imagine. And where was this then, like geographically, whereabouts in the country? So I went to Palmer's Primary School, and that was uh, in R- Romford, Collier Row, um, kind of here in Nassie Bower, so many different places, but that was a general area. So Collier Row was where it was at, and then Romford's the town it was in. So that, so kind of cl- close to Essex, really. So that's where I grew up. Uh, and so that was the school I went to. And it was, yeah, it was really interesting. It's funny as well because it was, um, in, it was surrounded by fields that people would put their horses. So people owned horses. Their horses were literally in the fields next to our school. So when you walked to school, you could feed the horses with carrots and stuff and go in. And it's really funny because whenever I mentioned to friends that there were horses near my school or at my school, everyone always thought I was super posh. I was like, the complete opposite. There was, the school wasn't posh at all. It was a lovely school, but I say that and I think people instantly think it's like Eton or something. <laughs> no, no, no. There were, it was just, you know, modest stables, just nice little horses. Yeah, well, that, that does sound like a very nice walk to school. There's a sort of, you know, pastoral scene of feeding horses. But so on the school itself then though, um, again, are there any teachers there though by name that you particularly remember fondly or was it more just the general ethos of the school? Oh, big time. Um, so a few mentions of teachers I remember. There was a teacher called Mrs. Kirby, who, if anything, is the re- might have, is probably one of the earliest, uh, one of the earliest people to get me into the career I'm in now, which is entertainment, because mm-hmm. she was a she was she always headed up the drama department, so she was put on plates. I remember my mum forced me to go to a forced me to join drama when I was ten, and I was like, why? Because like, you're not doing anything else. I was like, fine. And I went and we were doing My Fair Lady. And I remember thinking, this is quite cool. And seeing the character of Mr. Higgins and liking him and thought, oh, I'll just read for that part. And I remember my teacher going, do you want to go for any other parts just in case? I was like, no, I'm going to get that part. That's fine. And I did. And so she was kind of, the, the, she kind of started me off actually mm. on the road I'm on now. And I don't, I don't think she gets enough credit for that. I, don't, I, don't, I guess because I didn't realize what she had done at that point. So Miss Kirby is definitely a very important um, person in my life at that time because she kind of set me off there. Um, So she was great. And I remember uh, Miss Botel was my head teacher and she was a very stern but fair woman. And I remember there were times where um, she, you know, she would have told me off about if I'd I'd been naughty at times, which really annoyed me because I was always trying to be good. So there's moments where you slipped up, you got told off, you felt you really took it personally. But she was a really wonderful woman who I respected a huge deal. I feared I respected her a lot. And uh, one thing I remember from her is when I was trying to get into, you know, certain schools and stuff, there was a school I really wanted to get into in secondary school, and I didn't. But she wrote me such a wonderful letter recommendation for it. And I can't really remember the words, but I remember how it made me feel. And I think as a kid, you, you thought, oh my God, she really did like me. And she was that kind of teacher who, 
you don't think she didn't like you or anything, but she was always very aloof. You know, she was very good at kind of keeping that respectable distance from the pupils and not having favorites. And then to get a letter like that, of them kind of expressing how they felt about you and thought of you as a, as a child um, was a really special thing. So Miss Botel was really cool. And then uh, there was Miss Knowles, who was just a very, who was just a, everyone's favorite teacher. I think everyone just loved this. She was that kind of, she was very young. Um, so I think was, when there's always a young teacher, everyone just gravitates towards them. And she was really fun and she was really gentle and kind. And, you know, all the, kind of like Miss Honey from Matilda. That was who she was. Yeah. To us, so those are those are three teachers I remember actually from primary school who I who I loved quite a lot. They were really really cool. That sounds like a great a great trio of teachers, particularly. And do you know? I mean, particularly the, the first teacher. Do you know? You know, have they ever heard you say their names like this? You know, this might be the first time they've heard you talk about their influence on you. No, I don't think she has. I haven't spoken to her in a very long time. And it's funny you say that. It always sounds like you've fallen out. We haven't even fallen out. It's just that I haven't I haven't seen her. But um. I mean, I hope I, I loved the idea that she might hear this one day. I might have to, um, I might have to try and get into contact, find her, and let her know. It, you know, it's talking to you now actually makes me just realize that she was a huge part of it. I just didn't realize until now. Uh, she, she, yeah, she was very, very special because that's when I realized I loved drama, and I did that. And ever since then, I always did it. I always did it in school play. I was always in the school plays, always doing those things, and. To think that, it, it, to think of myself not performing is really weird. Mm. So the idea that I actually went 10 years and that wasn't a part of me until then is quite, wow, it's quite wild when I think about it. I, yeah, Miss Kirby, Mrs. Kirby was, a, was a, a huge spark in who I am now. Well, that is lovely to hear. And, and you know, be, I'm sure she'll get a chance to hear this or someone can pass it on to her or make her aware of it because it's, it must, I'm sure it'd be lovely for her to hear that. And, so interesting that what you, your story you tell there is so similar to so many other guests on this podcast who have that, that teacher that opened a door of spark of our imagination said, why don't you try this? And, you know, and then, and then like you said, they look back and think, oh, well, what, would, what would I be doing if it wasn't for that moment or that, that idea? And it, it's, it's, it just shows it like that little moment at that time of life can be so impactful. Even if it doesn't seem like it at the time sometimes. Yeah, hugely, hugely. It's that whole butterfly effect. It's like if you go back in time long enough and stop a certain moment, how would that have changed the uh, you know where we are now? It's it's almost scary in a little way. I'm very excited. <laughs> it is, isn't it? We wouldn't be talking now if it wasn't for that moment all that time ago. Yeah, there you go. Um, Absolutely. And so, and maybe sort of final question on that that time at primary school. It sounds like you said you went to infant school and junior school. Is that right? It's slightly different to sort of primary school in the. Oh well, the, that was like primary school. That what well, that is my primary school experience. So so yeah. my primary school was yeah splitting infants and juniors. So. Infant was up to year two, and then juniors was year three up to year six. Right. And, did, and with, when you were in that school, then did, did you go on any sort of like day trips out or trips abroad or anything like that you remember? Yeah, we did. We, we went on, I mean, we went on quite a lot of trips, as you would, standard kind of trips. There was a forest near us. So we'd, uh, we'd go on like nature walks. That was always a favorite one of mine. I specifically remember we had like a, a ranger lean us around, and he led us to tree sap so that we could lick it. So there was, there's a memory of all of us just licking trees, which is very <laughs> odd, but it was very, very fun. Uh, so I always loved the ones when we went outside. And then I remember the, my big year six trip that you used to go on where you go to a different part of the UK. So uh, for my year, it was Scarborough. So I think they alternated it. It would be like Isle of Wight one year, Scarborough the other year. So we went to Scarborough and that was cool. I loved that. That was, that was very exciting because that was your first time of going away without your parents. 
And looking back now, I can I realize how terrified all of them must have been to let us just go. To take your kid, put them on a coach, a bunch of other kids in the care of these adults and just say goodbye for five days. It's it's terrifying. I mean, sometimes like my sister's 17, and sometimes the thought of her going to school on her own, the bus still like irks me a little bit. So, you know, to put your 10-year-old child or you know, on a yeah. on a coach off to like a different part of the country is a bit unthinkable. But I loved Scarborough. Scarborough was really fun. The whole night, staying up late, the teachers coming in, you go into bed, pretend you're asleep. It was very, very, very cool. We had um, a really great time there. I think we went to a theme park called Flamingo Land. Not sure if it's still about. Could be. It was a nice, it was a nice day. Yeah, that does sound fun. And like you said, that, that moment of like the coach as you leave and it's like all the normal rules of school and home are just left behind for five days and chaos sudden your managed chaos ensues well kind of but kind of the opposite actually it's like the rules of home and school get fused now because it's kind of now suddenly your teachers are now talking to you about your bedtime as well as you know behavior yourself or homework so suddenly you're in this weird twilight zone where your teacher is now your guardian and you don't know how to take that you're not used to them telling you to brush your teeth or go to bed so that's it's a it's a real yeah, it messes with your head a little bit as a kid. Yeah, you're right, actually. The way you put it there, you're right, actually. I haven't thought about it like that. But like you said, that, that merging is weird. And I suppose it decreases that risk of calling your teacher mum, doesn't it, in those scenarios? And that's like the worst thing you can do. The worst thing you could do. I did that with uh, a teacher called Mrs. Ellis. But it was really funny because I knew her first as our neighbour because she lived two doors down. And so I knew her first as Kathy. And she helped get me my... She worked in the school, in the reception, in the in school reception. So she helped get my uniform and everything. I remember she came out, she came, we are doing PE and she came through and everyone was like saying hi and I, and I said, hi, Kathy. And all the people was like, you can't call her that, her name is Miss Ellis. Like, no, it's not, it's Miss Kathy. And I argued the whole time. And then I, I don't know, I can't remember when, but I realized, oh yeah, I need to call her Mrs. Ellis. That's not, that's, that's not right. But that's just the innocence of a child. That's when I, that's how I knew her. Um, and it's, yeah, it's all weird because then all the other teachers, when you're a kid, you think that's their name. You don't imagine them having real names because they're not real people to you as a yeah. kid, especially that young. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and obviously you weren't doing it for like anything untoward. It was a genuine, that was her name to you. So, you know, why wouldn't you call her that? Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, that does sound like some lovely memories there from, from primary school. And, and so I suppose, obviously, the move to secondary, which is always a big thing. And again, it's so interesting to talk to different guests how that, how that transition has gone from, you know, this, often the sanctuary of primary schools, the big wide world of secondary school. I and mean, was that like, was it like that for you or did you sort of find it okay to move up? I found it really, yeah, it's weird because as a kid in primary school, you think you're never going to leave. You honestly think you're never going to leave. You think, because it seems so long. And suddenly I'm there in year six because I thought, oh my gosh, we're actually going to leave. And it's, I think it's, especially when you haven't moved to primary school, you've been in that one the whole time. These kids you've been with your whole life and it's your first experience of moving on to a different environment away from them. And it's really, it's, it, it's really scary. And I think it's really strange because you think that you're never going to be as close with anyone else as these kids that you're with now. And you learn, you learn a lesson today that, you know, you move on, you're like, there are, it's funny because there are children now that were my classmates, I can't even remember their names. And yet I remember a time where their names were burned into my skull. Like, that's just who they were to me. And now it's kind of, like I see them, and I can't exactly remember. It's all fuzzy and it's all very, very hazy. 
But then moving on to secondary school, I remember being very excited in, um, during the summer. And I especially remember like in terms of a bag, I remember I just decided I didn't want backpacks anymore. I remember I thought backpacks are so uncool. It's so childish. I want a side bag because that's grown up. And I remember being with my godmother. She was trying to get me to pick. She was helping me shop for backpacks. And she was like, you don't want this backpack? I went, no, I don't want that. It's childish, the backpack. And I was like, give me that. I want a side-on bag. I want to feel like a proper like adult year seven. Um, and it's so weird because I went into year seven feeling like I was 30. And I look back at year sevens now and I'm like, you guys are actually babies, like so small. And uh, so yeah, so I was very, very excited about it. And then I remember having the first day and it's such a rush. I think first days of school are actually the best because everything's new. Everyone is new. Everyone's interested and excited. So you don't know who, what they're about. So it's just, there's a, every, everything's a mystery that you're trying to solve. It's the coolest thing at the moment. But then the school is so big. So that's daunting. And then the kids are so big as well. Like year, again, now, I look back at year 10s and year 11s, and I think you guys are children too. But as in year 7, I looked at year 10s and year 11s, like they were, like they were 30. Like they, they were such adults to me. And, even, and it's funny, even now when I think about those same people, I still look at them like that as being yeah. way older than they actually were to me. But yeah, secondary school was cool. And then that, that, that transition was strange. And I remember that was like probably the, one of the only times my dad picked me up from school because your parents are so worried. They, they drive in and all like that. They want to know how was your day and everything. And then there's the excitement of wearing blazers. This, <laughs> you know... Most of, the, most of the time in private school, you just wear a jumper. And suddenly you wear a proper shirt, not a polo, and a proper blazer. And you just feel like you're about to go into the world. You're about to go into like London and be like, do this corporate job with your bag and everything. You, just, you, you, you feel so grown up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that is, a, that is a, like you say, it's, it's lovely to hear that kind of, that excitement of it because I think, you know, it can go the other way. If some people call it like that, it can be quite overwhelming. But to go in and have that just excitement and enthusiasm for it must have been so enjoyable. Um, and, and did it play out like that? Did you know through secondary school? Then did you enjoy it? And was it always fun? Or did you always find a sort of you know, obviously I'm guessing your performing talents and, and your interest that was able to grow and flourish there? Yeah, really. I I enjoyed secondary school. I never found myself struggling too much. Really, um, there was never any moments of intense bullying or or any of that it's funny when I think back on it I, it I kind of just I just kind of moseyed through in my own way I, I you know I had I had a good group of friends in, and I never I was never the kid who stuck to one one friendship group though I kind of I kind of died about all the time because even my best friend who I'm still close with today we didn't hang out all the time at school there was a point where he kind of had his own friend. Like, he kind of went through, like, a grunger phase and so was kind of with those kids. And so I just did my own thing. I just moved about, really. I, I remember, it's, it, yeah, it's really strange. I had a close group of mates. So I'd probably be a, a lot. But it was, it was never... I was never part of a clique. So school was... Yeah, school was pretty cool. It was pretty chill. And then performance, I think performing was what helped me a lot because, again, I was always doing the school plays. So I think kids knew me from that and they liked the school plays and I'd do the talent shows as well. So they always, kids in school always knew me for that. So I'd get praised that way and had respect in, in that way as well. So people were always really friendly with me. 
and I was always really friendly with people. So I, I never, um, I never had people who disliked me much on a scale or disliked me at all. So I was quite, I was, I was always a really friendly, happy person. I think that just that just served me quite well for school with both teachers and students. Yeah, well, I, I can well imagine it. So it sounds, it sounds like you know that was that was a very nice thing, and, and you know. What a good way to go through school. And I suppose, obviously, then it leads in, it sounds like obviously you were a good pupil for the teachers, I'm, I'm guessing. So I'm guessing, you know, there was never an issue of not doing your homework or causing disruption in lessons. I presume you sort of enjoyed learning and enjoyed Yeah, again, know, I was a massive, massive teacher's pet. I rarely ever, I rarely ever caused a fuss in, um, in trouble. I think there was one time where, the only time where I was really uh, in trouble, I don't know if I would even class it as trouble, maybe more obnoxious was that I really struggled with maths. And I was a kind of student, and I'm, and I'm, and and this is what I'm struggling with in Strictly at the moment. Now, I was a kind of student where I always wanted to do well, and I always put a lot of pressure on myself. But then I had this sort of arrogance where if I couldn't understand it, I just go, "Well, it's really stupid. Then there's no point in learning. If I can't get it, what's the point?" And maths was that for me a lot. I really struggled with it, so I spent so many times arguing with my maths teachers, and they had infinite patience with me and I think it's because they knew I wasn't a rude child and I wasn't doing it to be disruptive they knew I was doing it because I was generally really trying and really upset that I couldn't do it and so I was acting out in that way but it was never in a way where I was doing it to disrupt the whole class and just be more like I'd ask them but it doesn't make sense this is really stupid I don't like it and they'd be like come on like melodrama move on and that that was probably the only time where I might have been somewhat difficult but then that all worked out because I think that the math, one of the math teachers gave me a CD that taught you on the laptop and it, I don't know what happened but it worked it worked so well I think because I couldn't argue with my laptop so I just had to listen and do what it told me and with Strictly at the moment I, I remember I felt I, I felt that kid coming back where I'd be trying to learn these dance moves it's so hard because it's not just learn the steps, but it's do the steps in this way. Your feet need to point. Your head needs to be this way. Your frame needs to be that way. And I sit down and go, this is me. Why are you so stressed out over this? Can't I just do the move? And I remember just having to really catch myself and go, oh my gosh, I haven't, I haven't been this kid in a really long time. It was really unnerving to feel that side of me come out again because I, just, I wanted to do well. And it wasn't a disrespect of, the dance, just like it was a disrespect of maths. It was just a frustration, an inner frustration that I couldn't do it. And so that was my way of acting out. But again, I was very fortunate that the teachers were quite patient with me and, you know, never... And, and, were, and were kind of emotionally mature enough to not take that as a personal thing, but just know that's just a, that's just a kid acting out a little bit. And, and your dance partner now, presumably, is also very patient with you and, and you know, guides you through that process because you can't, you know, be as good a performer as you are if you don't have someone to sort of guide you in that way. Yeah, Nancy shuts it down very, very quickly. She's all, she, first thing she's saying is, well, you're not a professional. Why are you acting this way? And at moments when she can tell us it's really winding me up, she, she, she's good at letting me like, walk, like take a walk, cool yourself off, breathe because you're thinking too much about it and then come back. So she's great at that and very, very patient. So I'm quite very, very fortunate to have her. Jumping back to the school side then, a sort of final question on that. I mean, again, is there a particular teacher, whether in the maths arena or more generally in the school, that you think, you know, worth mentioning by name as someone who particularly stands out as a sort of, yeah, they, they were yeah, my best teacher or one of my favourite teachers at school there? Yeah, big, well, the main one is 
a teacher called, well, yeah, there's two. Um, first was my drama teacher who was called Lorraine, Lorraine Shorter. Uh, it's funny, actually. Her original name was Miss White, and she was quite a short woman. And then she married a man called, whose last name was Shorter. And it was just, it, it was ammo. It was brilliant. <laughs> but she was great. She was a drama teacher. And um, she was very encouraging. She, and I, I loved her a lot because she was just fun. But she, you know, she held, it's, it's something special when you've got a teacher who's fun, but isn't fun at the expense of the lesson. You know, she was fun, but she, she made us buckle down when we needed to. Uh, I remember my drama GCSEs was one of the funnest, was one of the most fun things I ever did, even with the whole paperwork part. I loved it. She was an amazing teacher and she goes to my church. Well, she invited us. We now go to her church. She invited us to her church when we left ours. So she's still a big part of my life. And I, and I know her children and her husband. So she, and she's, she's a very odd case of a teacher who's now become a family friend. So I went through that thing of having to call her by her first name. It made me want to vomit the first few times. And now I can do it quite easily. Um, there are still many teachers who, if I meant now, I'd call them by, you know, Mr. or Mrs. something. No, and then they'd be like, call me this. I'd be like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. <laughs> but she was, she's a, she was my drama teacher. She's very, very special to me. And I, and I, I love her dearly. And then uh, the biggest one was uh, my head teacher, who was called Mrs. Morrison, Mary Morrison. And she just, she, she was one of the biggest supports I ever had, really. Kind of, like next to my mum and my mum worked at the school so her and my mum were very close are still very close today actually and she was amazing she just I think she just got me she got what I was about she, she, she got that I always, all I ever wanted to do was do a good job and to, and to work hard and, and to do well for people and um, I could always count on her support and her guidance and I don't think I was ever really in trouble with her. Actually, I don't think, I don't think we ever had a moment where there was a disagreement. We, we just understood each other. And I think one of those special relationships between a, a teacher and a pupil where they just get each other. And it was, it, it was just special. And to the point where she, when I was, again, there was a, there's a sixth one I was trying to go, go to. I didn't get into that one either, but she lived near it and she was even willing to have me live with her so I could go to the school because it was closer. So that's how, that's how close she was to me and, and kind of to the family at that point. So she was a hugely special and big part. I think I say special a lot, but she was a really great teacher who really kind of, I think she saw in me what I wanted to be in and worked really hard to try and help me achieve that. And it's funny that I'm doing this now because I didn't speak to her after, after I left and I, I kept in contact with her for a bit, but then she left the school and then I fell out of contact with her for years. And then when Strictly happened, and I was going to be honest, my mum was saying to me, you should really contact her and um, just see if she's okay. It would just catch up. And so I did and we're back in contact now and she sends me messages of encouragement um, daily never expecting them to be replied to. She says, I'm going to send you comments. I'm going to send you messages to uplift you, but I'm not expecting anything back. You can mess me when you're ready. And so we, we, we occasionally talk and catch up. She's given me, she sent me some motivational cards as well when I was struggling and stressing out about the process. So she's, and so now, yeah, she's now still a part of my life and still sending me messages. 
And now I'm going through that same process of calling her by her first name, which is still very hard for me. But um, she won't allow me to call her by her teacher name. So I've got to get used to it very yeah. soon. Well, that's when you, you said that you said her teacher name and then you sort of corrected yourself and said her first name. I did, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's lovely, is it? Like you say, to have that kind of at school and then lose contact in, in a way, but only organically, and then to come back for such a, such a unique reason. But again, to still have that support in, in a new type of way, but to still have it, it shows, doesn't it, that that kind of connection can, can be so strong and so real. It's not just something done in the moment of a school. It, it's real, and the teacher really is invested in that pupil and, and then can be again later on in life. It's just a lovely um, you know, line through. Absolutely. I find, I find the relationship that people have with a teacher is a very unique one. Because even after you leave the school and you, you know, you might, most of the time you leave the school, you don't keep in contact with them because you move on. They've got other people to teach. They can't keep teaching you. But sometimes you do get that special time where you get back in contact and you actually kind of become friends. You become friends, actually. And then it's very odd. Or it's a very different kind of friendship mm. because it's almost like, being friends with your parent because that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of the pedestal you put your teacher on they're, they're, they're this adult who was in a position of authority over you in your formative years and you don't let go of that in the same way that you know your relationship with your sibling or even a childhood friend even when you're adults when you meet up you kind of revert back to being kids again because that's how you knew each other in that special time and I think with teachers, it's the same thing that even when you're both now adults in your own right and can be friends, there's still that thing about it though where they still have that authority over you. And it's not a bad thing. It's actually quite a respectful, loving thing in the same way that you would be with your parent. You know, you don't become friends with your parents, really. You kind of, you get a kind of friendship-esque vibe because then you're both adults and there's that level of respect where they can't outground you, but they're still your mum. They're still your dad. You still respect yeah. and they can still tell you what to do and you listen. And although a teacher isn't as intense as that, really, they can't tell you what to do. You do still feel compelled to listen and, and want, sometimes want to gain wisdom from them still because they're still your teacher. I think they always are a teacher to you. You don't kind of stop thinking of them as your teacher. And I think that's a really special thing. And I think that's why teachers need to be celebrated because... They hold such a place in students' hearts and minds that even after they leave the school and they might not even keep in contact with them still, they, stump, they can still think about them and have that respect for them still. And I think few jobs allow you to hold that kind of emotional power over a human being. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a very uh, you know, eloquent way of putting all that because you were drawing on a lot of big concepts and themes there but I think absolutely knew exactly what you meant and the way you described it like you say that kind of made me think you talk about your parent and it's like your parent they say they become your friend but if they call you by your full name you know certainly in that tone that you remember from childhood you're, you're still back in that oh the dynamic is still parent child hugely. right hugely like, or if, if they even you know speak with a certain tone of voice that they used to use and you got in trouble it triggers you and you go oh my god no don't do it don't do it so it, it, it yeah it's so unique because like with, with your parents you as friends as you get, you'd still never call them by their name. You'd still say mum and dad. And although with a teacher now, you can call them by their first name, I think there's always going to be a part of you that feels a bit naughty that you're doing it. Um, and you expect them to get the attention, but you don't. And it's, yeah. I don't know, it's a very odd and unique sensation. 
and it's interesting you're talking about this about the, the power of teachers and the importance of the sort of way they can engage with people is because obviously you're you actually sort of still go into schools a bit don't you with because you're an ambassador with place to be uh which is a charity that works on sort of children's mental health and does a lot of you know very important work in that area and obviously probably never been so important as what we've been through the last sort of 18 months or so the pandemic so Again, like what 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 exactly did you get up to with them? And like, I mean, you sort of touched this quite a lot, but it clearly something that matters to you because you see why that's so important for for young children to have that during their time in school. Yeah, well, so my a place to be and uh, as an ambassador, uh, it's a new role for me actually that I started this year. I started out as a champion, which was kind of like a road to it. So I started, which allowed me to kind of learn a bit about the the charity and what they do, and do some events with them to kind of learn. And now. Being a fully fledged ambassador, I got to go to a school, one of the schools that they provide mental health services to, and speak to the children about their experiences in lockdown. And it, it was really special and really cool. I love going back to primary schools. I don't know why. It's just, I think you, it's, it brings back all those vibes, and you think, oh my gosh, the chairs really were that small, the tables were that low. Look at how small these kids are. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's really special because I think it just reminds me of a time where, for me, primary school, there were no worries at all. Honest, there, were, there was no worries. And I, I think it, and the thing is, even as a kid, I knew that. As a kid, I knew this is one of the best times of my life. I've got nothing to stress about. I've got no bills. There's no relationship drama. All I do is do my homework and play. And it's so good. And I look at that and I see kids enjoying that. And I think, like, this is what it should be. But the thing with Place B is Place B knows that sometimes with kids, they don't have that. You know, some kids struggle with mental health through, you know, traumatic experiences or problems at home. And I love the fact that Place B acknowledges that and isn't ignorant to the fact that even kids can have mental issues or struggle with their mental health. Because I think people give kids too much credit and think that they're too resilient and think, oh, they'll forget about it one day. They'll repress it. Kids shouldn't have to repress stuff like that. So it was really cool to go back and, and, and meet with these children, and kind of see how Placeby's work has helped them. And we got to hear some really, really heartbreaking stories, stories of children who lost loved ones, who lost really close immediate family members and how they're coping with it. And it, it broke my heart a little bit, actually, because I think as myself as a child, my child was pretty pretty nice I didn't lose anyone that close to me as a child and when I see that happen with another child you feel that kind of guilt that oh my gosh I, I didn't go through that and here you are going through that and you're so young and innocent but Place to Be is an amazing is an amazing charity that does amazing things for these young children and, and works so hard and the, the, the people I work with as well really 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 care about it and they make sure that the people they take on as their ambassadors understand what message they want to convey and truly support it. And, and that's what I think makes it such a great charity and why it's doing so well, because the people like us who are the ambassadors, we really care, we really believe in it. And one of the first projects I ever did for Place to Be actually was a thing called River to Sea Project, where we encouraged children to draw, do a piece of artwork, which was a river, and to draw a river that it led into the ocean. And so it was supposed to symbolize going from primary school to secondary school. So the primary school being the river, it's smaller, it's easier, it's less intimidating. And then going to the ocean, which is secondary school, which is just big 
and hugely intimidating and quite scary. And so we do that and then we'd write all the things in the river of kind of what primary school means to us, how it makes us feel. And then the ocean was kind of all our expectations of what we think secondary school was going to be like. And I loved that. And it made me think, gosh, I wish I had stuff like that when I was a kid to express how I was feeling about secondary school and my anxiety over it. And in fact, being with Place B reminded me of a time in primary school where I was, again, this was the, 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 the child of me who wanted to do well so much and who struggled sometimes when they couldn't get it right. And I can't remember what we did. I think it must have been an orienteering thing. And I just, I just couldn't, get, I couldn't get it. I couldn't read the map well. And I gave up and I just walked away from my group. I was just like sulking and being a real attention seeker. I remember uh, one of the teachers, Mrs. Shepherd, pulled me away into a room to talk. And I fully thought, right, you want to get told off. You want to get really told off here. You deserve it. And I was fully prepared for it. And I remember she just sat me down and just asked me about how I was feeling. I remember being so confused, so confused, thinking, where is this going? There's, it's a trap. Something's happening. And all she did was talk to me about how I was feeling, why I was upset. And we just spoke through my emotions. We talked about it. And she let me go. And I remember walking out there days thinking, what on earth was that? That was the weirdest thing I've ever, I've ever felt or been through. And I realized that was her actually taking an interest in my mental health as a child. And I, and I look back at, on that and I think, what an incredible thing that they did for me. It only happened once, but I'll never forget it. And mm. I didn't even remember it until place to, until I joined a place to be and thinking, oh my gosh, I had my own kind of place to be moment that wasn't even part of place to be. But I love that. And I think that's why I'm, I'm so proud to be an ambassador for them because they are doing such amazing things for kids just to make sure they all get the childhood they deserve. Final question then. And I, I usually use this as my final question to everyone because it always usually elicits a, a good story. Um, and again, talking about trips, secondary school, even usually the, the, the sort of examples become more outrageous. So again, did you go on any trips? And again, did anything sort of funny or notable or outrageous happen? Oh, okay. Yeah, there must have been. Let me, let me, oh, this is good. <laughs> let me dig into the crevices of, of that. Um, oh, um, so I remember we went to, oh, I went to France in my secondary school. Uh, what was something that happened there? Um, I, re- I remember going, yeah, I remember going to France and it was weird because my friend, that, my, my friend that I who went had sort of left school by then. It was kind of, we, we'd kind of left. It was kind of like the summer. It was, it was during summer. So we'd left because we were year 11. But they, are, they invited us along. So we were the only year 11s there. So we we're kind of almost like a hybrid between being students but also chaperones. It was very, very strange. And I remember we went there. It was really, really fun. And we were going around like um, the Eiffel Tower in Paris. I remember us, a group of us walking and just seeing a bunch of couples being all like all loved up. And the part that we were all just standing there, really not knowing what to do. But this is, this is really odd. This is really awkward. I don't really know um, what to, what to say, what to do here. And not as, uh, not as uh, hugely awkward. Um, what else? There must, I know there must have been a time where we did something that was really, really weird. I just remember things like being on buses and playing games like Sweet and Sour, where you. Uh, you'd wave at random people in the street and if they waved back, you all like cheered. And uh, that was always really, that was always quite a fun thing to do. Um, oh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a story where like a kid fell into like a gorilla pit or something during the zoo. 
But, uh, yeah, that, that probably would have made headlines. That would have made headlines. I'm worried that all of them are quite vanilla. I'm trying to... These were so long ago, these trips. There's nothing that I, I can exactly remember happening. No, um, well, that, I mean, that, that's fair enough. It doesn't have to be. It's not, it's not, um, it's not, not, you know, condition of the podcast that you have a dramatic trip, but. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, our trips weren't like Waterloo Road. They were quite normal. <laughs> we were all very, very safe. We all had a lovely time. Good, good. Well, obviously, I think we, we've spoken for a long time here, and I'm, I'm conscious of the time. And you know, you, like you said to me at the start, you, you know, you've got a good bedtime routine now, so you need to get to bed, you know, get your strictly legs rested. I mean, it's a seriously competitive year this year, isn't it? It's probably the strongest field I think that could be on there. But the fact you're still going, going strong, you know, let's not. Let's I would say is is definitely the strongest year ever, ever. Mm-hmm. And I and I am an absolute fool for joining it this year. I had no idea. It was going to be this intense, but it's really pushing me to go above and beyond with it. You just don't know. I was, I, I was saying how, you know, people always have to bet and make assumptions who's going to win. And I think the fact that we're this far in and you still can't do that is really saying something about the strength, the talent this year. Mm. Anyone's a contender. There's no person who's kind of like, oh, whatever, whatever. It's just everyone, because everyone keeps stepping up. Everyone keeps stepping up their game. There's moments where the person who was at the bottom of the leaderboard suddenly like shoots up to the top. Like Sarah, who just, who who had gone, was at the bottom two and then came back week two at the top of the leaderboard. You just didn't know what was going on. This whole, this whole series is a wonderful mess. And I think must be the most exciting one to watch. I think the, I think maybe the only negative is that I'm not watching it. I'm in it. I'm kind of watching it, but not. I think yeah. me at home now would have been like, this series is incredible. It is. You're absolutely right. And like you say, it's like one week someone does really well and you think, oh, they'll be good next week. And then they're like, oh, that was good. But then someone else steps up. And so these constant movement and, and, and the innovation of some of the dances as well. And you can see people are really like getting quite, quite again, it's a, it's a nice form of competitiveness, isn't it? It's, a nice, it's what makes Strictly so nice is that it's ultimate end of the day, it's for fun. And there isn't that kind of, you know, like, got to win. It's just like, oh, great if I do, but never mind if I don't. And but you can see the the quality and the, and the sort of ambition of the routines and like you know the old your Charleston. I, I watched it again before this podcast, just to sort of familiarise with it again, having watched it on Saturday. And there was a bit where I thought, oh yeah, this is where it ends. And then you did like a whole another little set of things, and I was like, how did you remember? To, and you only had like a week to practice it. I mean, it's incredible the amount of. I have content. no idea. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll give you a little insight. Actually, we don't really get a week. We get four days essentially because. On the Friday, we do, we do it in the ballroom and we rehearse it a couple of times. And then, then there's Saturday. So it's not even a week, really. And so it's, it's, it's so daunting. You go through it. You kind of try and get through the whole routine on Monday. And then the rest of the days, you just spend trying to refine it. So, you sh- so Monday is always the worst day because you just don't know what's going on. You're, you're, you're learning it. You struggle through it. And you go home feeling really deflated because you think it, oh I just came up last week we did so well and now this Monday was so annoying and then Tuesday happens you're still struggling then Wednesday something kind of clicks a bit and then by Thursday it clicks even more and then Friday Saturday you're away so it's a it's a weird process and I don't know but you've just got to learn to trust it and um, I think that's why everyone's doing so well everyone's just really trusting the process and trusting their partners yeah well, it's brilliant to watch. It's, it's fantastic. And I actually, funnily enough, the last person I interviewed for this, all that was just for the magazine, was Bill Bailey, obviously won last year. So whether I'm going to speak to last year's champion and this year's champion, we'll have to wait and see. 
But certainly, I'm sure there's lots of people listening to this who will be, you know, you would be a worthy winner, but in a way, let's just see how it plays out because everyone would be a worthy winner, I think, this year particularly. I think that's it. I think everyone's just a worthy winner. So it's, we'll just take that, you know. If, 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 if anything, if I don't win it, then I'll be the worthy winner and I'll hold that badge of honour for myself. But like I said, I'm, I'm learning now to kind of not think too much about the idea of winning or the idea of the final. I think I did that a lot at the beginning and I think that's why I struggled because I, my, my priorities were wrong. And I've managed to kind of switch them up. And I think now I'm in a really comfortable place where I feel I'm in a good flow. And hopefully, you know, if I continue to, to just focus on the enjoyment and uh, not so much about the scores or what the public think, that's going to be, you know, where I'm going to really fight, like come into my own. And I think we're starting to do that well. We've got a 40, so I guess we're there. But let's carry yeah, on. You say you have a bar now. That's the trouble, isn't it? Because unless you can do that again, it will look like you've come down. But, you know, again, you know, we understand why that might happen. But yeah, no, I think, I think it sounds great. I think it's a, it's a brilliant, you know, series this year. Um, and, you know, again, yeah, congrats on the 40. Uh, that's amazing. And I'm sure the rest of it will go really well as well. But obviously for this podcast here and now, talking about your school days and great teachers and, you know, lovely memories, lovely stories. You work with Place to Be, obviously. It sounds really vital and important. So again, you know, well done for doing that as well. That's great. Um, thank you so much for the time out of your, your manic schedule and good luck with the rest of the show. No, thank you for having me.